Welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Tim Winders, your host here. It's a drizzly fall day when we're doing this recording, and I'm in uh, the passenger seat of the RV Theo, as I always am, and have a great conversation today. Today, we're going to be talking about some topics that I love. We're going to be talking to someone who's titled a business alignment therapist, and we're going to be talking about, about the kingdom of God and God's rest and operating in God's rest. And to me, this is one of the most important things that any and all of us can be discussing. So we'll get to that in just a moment. I do want to mention to you some things that are going on at Seat Go Create. If you have not yet checked out our YouTube channel, make sure that you go over there. It is the fastest growing platform that we're on. Uh, we're just kind of getting rolling, but it is going fast. We've got uh, short clips that we take from the episodes. We actually do some edit and we put the full interview episodes there, the full 60-minute interviews, and they're great to have. And also, we're now jumping in and doing what they call shorts, some short abbreviated topics that that I'm doing. I'm taking some tidbits that I get from some of the interviews that we do and just also some things that are on my mind. And just today, I did one there talking about leadership in the kingdom of God. So make sure you go check us out. Subscribe to the Seek Go Create YouTube channel. We are Seek Go Create everywhere on all the platforms. SeekGoCreate.com. You can find us there. Today, we have Susan Fleming as our guest. She's a coach, author, speaker, and she calls herself a business alignment therapist. What a great title there. She specializes in teaching burned out leaders how to ditch the hustle and performance mentality to work from God's rest instead. Susan, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I love the topics that you talked about. You know, I just did something. In fact, I think it's one of my most, I don't know if viral is the right word, but I um, I did a uh, um, a reel on Instagram that was something titled, Jesus Never Hustled, Why Should We? And I love that you talk about yeah. ditching the hustle culture. But before I get any, before I get too far along here, I did a short intro for you. But before I do that, we bump into each other. We're chit-chatting, and I say, Susan, what do you do? What do you tell people? <laughs> it really depends on the setting, how much time we have. Um, Sometimes I'll keep it short and say, you know, I'm a mental health therapist because I am licensed here in the state of Georgia as a therapist. And and so sometimes I say that um, if I know we're going to have more time, I'll say I'm a business alignment therapist. And there's always the question of what in the world is that? <laughs> so then that takes you into a longer explanation. So it just really kind of depends on who I'm talking to and how much conversation I want to get going. <laughs> Well, we've got a little bit of time here, but I'm going to go ahead and dig into that uh, that second one you said because yeah. business, I love the word business, alignment, mm -hmm. I love the word alignment, therapist, I don't know that much about the word therapist. So you, <laughs> you brought all those three together. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's really twofold because when being in alignment, you have you yourself that needs to be in align, alignment, spirit, soul, and body. And so working with my clients, we do that first. We focus on them as the person and get that alignment of spirit, soul, body. What does that look like to be spirit-led and operate in that way? And then looking at their business, we also want to be in alignment with their business assignment. 
because I believe that there are three primary business assignments, and that's income, influence, and impact. But one of those will be your primary. And so we really get um, the alignment to their business assignment, which one of those do they feel like the Lord is leading to be their primary. And then, you know, the other two end up being byproducts that come along with it. But but typically you can tell when someone is out of alignment, if they're going after one of those assignments, that's not their, their main focus. So you... You have hit on so many things, first of all, yeah. in your in your bio and and then in that description and so many things that just speak to me so powerfully in so many ways. And so I'm excited that we're uh, that we're connected here. I guess first question, though, uh, I want to ask we um, here at Seek Go Create, we do not we do not shy away from anything ministry People know that uh, you know I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, however, we may have some people that are just jumping in here, going, "Wow, there's some things that they're talking about that I'm not familiar with." Do you only work with people that would consider themselves Christian? Do you work with? <laughs> this is my joke. Do you work with the Gentiles also? <laughs> Do you work with other, you know, the unwashed masses? Sorry, sorry some people may not get my sense of humor, yeah. but um, who, who all do you work with? In business, is it primarily, um, you know, people that would have a faith that we would agree upon? It's that's typically who is drawn unto me. I've never said um, specifically I only work with these people. Um, I, I make it very clear that I'm coming from a biblical perspective. So if that's something that you you have issue with, then I'm probably not the person for you. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't say I shy away from that either. I have had um, conversations, you know, with with business owners who are not believers, and I do change the language a little bit, right, and, and make it more relational, um, but I also don't hide my faith in that. So it's just there's a balance there. It's a little bit different situation, um, but, yeah, typically who is drawn to me are what – are, would be Christians, yeah. So, because your background is is that of a, a, a therapist, um, did, were you I'm trying to think if I want to go in this direction right now? Because I'd love to find out. <laughs> I love to know how people become who they currently are, and you know what their mm. process has been. And and I'm always fascinated, especially with people that are kind of like us, that are in the coach world, that we work and help other people. How did did we, who helped us become who we are (laughs) and how did that come to be? But before I do that, there's, there's something I've got to hit on. We're we're going to get to that in just a moment. Um, You are just outside of the Atlanta area. Loganville, is that correct? Yes. Loganville. I think I shared right before we hit, hit record here that I grew up in Conyers and went to high school Mm -hmm. and all there. And, uh, and you're probably much too young to remember that there was this commercial that was Loganville. Where's Loganville? I do remember that. Oh boy. Yeah. Sorry about that. I promised my wife I wouldn't bring that up when I said I was going to be talking to you, but I've just blown that obviously. So tell me what's happening in Loganville now. Has Atlanta swallowed up Loganville? Because Loganville used to be this nice, quiet little town kind of between Atlanta and Athens and all that. But I've heard now it's just popping. 
It is. It has uh, blown up. <laughs> We're not completely swallowed up by Atlanta yet, but yeah, it's it's definitely gotten way busier in the last few years. So I still think of it as, like you said, where you go through on the way to Athens um, because most people are going to Athens and that used to be just nothing out here, right? You could travel 78 forever and there was nothing. And, and now, yeah, it's Snellville, Loganville has all kind of started creeping in together. Well, being a good yeah. Georgia Tech guy, other than where I found my wife, I have no idea why anyone would want to go to Athens, Georgia. That's just, there's just no reason in the world. Uh, I think someone said they started up a little football team or something down there. And, and yeah, just a little one. At the agricultural college down the road there. But um, anyway, well, listen, great to, great to yeah. catch up on Loganville. I've got to pop into Atlanta next week, in fact, visit some family and also yeah. look forward to getting a little bit of humidity and things like that. So, uh, so tell me, have you always been in the Atlanta area? Or where did Susan kind of grow up? And then I kind of want to find out how you've kind of stepped into this role that you're in now. Yeah, so I'm actually from an even smaller town called Winder. <laughs> how appropriate for this podcast. Now people right? are going to try to figure out how to pronounce my name. That yeah. the, the reason I left Georgia was because they messed up my name because of Winder, yep. Georgia. So yep. Yeah. Now Winder's a bigger town too now. It's grown. It has. It has. Yeah. But that's where I most I, I grew up until um high school and then we moved out more towards Lawrenceville and you know Lawrenceville is crazy crowded, so <laughs> That's where my wife's from. She grew up in Lawrenceville. So familiar with that. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. That, that whole area is just booming. Yeah. It is. It really is. And so, and so, at what point did you early on say, um, "I want to help people. I, I want to go into therapy"? I mean, what was what were the clues that you had mm-hmm. early on that were leading you where you are now? Yeah, I was. I believe I was about eleven, ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. I had. Um, some early childhood trauma, and so I already had interaction with therapy at such a young age, and um, it was it was helpful to me. And I thought that's what I want to do. I want to help other people the way that that it has helped me. And so I've I've that's been the plan for about you know thirty years or so. That was the plan, <laughs> and then the Lord moved me into to coaching. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm always curious and you could share whatever you would like to related to it, but I, I believe that there are certain paths that we go down that are, I don't know if they're in response. Maybe it's, it's, we can say it this way. I think the Lord uses things we go through for his purpose and for his kingdom. And, and while no one really desires trauma or financial hardship or health issues or any of those things, I do believe this is just my, you know, my theology that, that the Lord can use those things. Have you ever thought about what may have happened had you had a different path growing up? Would you have still gone down this path if you hadn't lived some of that trauma growing up? Or I know it's kind of a big what if, but I'm just curious if you put any thought into that. I think I still would. Um, it really just fits my giftings and my skill and 
the way I really just enjoy interacting with people. So I think I would still be in some sort of helping profession. Um, my mom was a nurse, so I had looked into that at one point, and I was like, yeah, no, I can't do all the blood and body fluids and things. So, no, I'm going to have to pick something different. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think I would still be doing something similar at least, yeah. Now, did you have, because, I mean, we're going to have some faith conversations here shortly. Did you grow up in a family that had um, a, a faith or at least something going on there? Or was that something that you came to later in life? At what point did did faith in your, your um, belief system start to take hold? Yeah. I don't remember ever not being in church. Interesting. <laughs> That was one of those things that was a, it was a non-negotiable. You don't have an option. Sunday, you're at church. Wednesday, you're at church. Any other day, they're doing anything. That's where you're at. <laughs> so I very much grew up in church. Um, but I would say it wasn't until, hmm, probably about maybe, eight years ago or so that I, it really became really personal. And I started to understand that it's about more than following rules and, and just going to church on Sundays. Hmm. So did something, I'm, 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 I'm really curious about that <laughs> because I think that's significant. I mean, mm-hmm. so many of us that we, you know, we claim salvation, but yet we don't yep. step into that, him being the Lord over our life. <laughs> um, and yeah. and there's there's so many layers to that. Did something happen eight years ago mm-hmm. or was it just a decision or um, what was what's the story there? Well, I was early 30s, divorced, single mom, <laughs> and um, I didn't like my life. Didn't like myself, didn't like the situation I was in, and just got to the point of something has to change. Something's got to be different, and just started really praying again. Lord, show me what am I missing? You know, I I did get saved at a very young age. Um, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, I was nine years old, and I'm very clear on what happened and I remember what it felt like and that feeling of the Holy Spirit. And so I never doubted my salvation, but I didn't really understand now what do I do with it? Like what happens after that? Um, and so it was around that period about eight years ago where the Lord just started showing me new things and opening my eyes to, um, other possibilities, you know, I was so rooted in performance and earning things and wanting people's approval. And he really opened my eyes to that's why you're so unhappy. <laughs> hmm. yeah, so because, it was just go ahead. Yeah, because that performance, I mean, I, listen, our our first world culture is all about mm. Mm-hmm. that and unfortunately it seems to me like we've layered 
um, I'm going to use the word religion. I'm not sure that it totally captures the the wording here, but we'll we'll contrast that to relationship and kingdom of God here shortly. But to to me, that's what religion really wants. <laughs> religion really wants us to check the box, do this, do that, and yeah. think that we can work our way in mm-hmm. to some type of position. Um, with God. And I, I, I'm yeah. pretty confident I was that way. I'm pretty confident my wife was. And we're still working through that. I'm not sure that we could ever get away from that as much as we try. But it seems like that's part of your journey also. So one other thing I want to observe, and I want you to tell me if you see this with people you interact with, because you just sort of shared this. I, as a coach, as someone who's been in leadership business for uh, longer than I care to remember right now, um, 40, almost 40 years, my observation is, is that sometimes people make a decision and they make a change, mm-hmm. but typically there's some form of a catalytic event that forces us to, and you mentioned you were at, you know, kind of at a crossroads and, yeah. um, what's your observation? Do you see that with people you work with? Do you have some people that just say, you know, I just rolled out of bed. My life is good. And I decided I am going to make some significant changes. I just don't uh, see that. Do you? It's, it's very rare. <laughs> it's very, very rare. Um, I have seen it here and there with, um, I would what I would call the one percent um, that that really high upper level of business where they are so focused on growth and improvement and just being very intentional about continuing to expand their capacity for new things and, and that sort of thing. And so. I've seen it, but yeah, it's kind of like a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, even for yeah. me, who knew it all, my who, not knew it all, who knew the importance of that, yeah. my most significant changes occurred in probably one of the worst times if I were to yeah. look at my trajectory of what was going on in my life. So, all right, so you mentioned eight years ago, mm-hmm. you kind of was a bit of a crossroads. Um, but prior to that, what did your work look like? Were you were you in the counseling therapy world? Were you doing some things with business, or did things transform eight years ago, or sometime after that? When when did it when did it start moving towards what you're doing now? Moving towards what I'm doing now was about mm-hmm, about four years ago. Yeah, so it, and that wasn't any big moment. That was a um, just in spending time with the Lord as I do every morning. Um, he he said, "What do you think about being a coach?" And I'm like, "I don't even know what that means. What am I coaching?" Like to me, coach was like basketball. <laughs> You know, it was sports. I immediately went to sports, and I'm my family's heavy in sports. And I was like, "You want me to coach a sports team? Like, I don't understand." <laughs> you know, I'll do it, Lord. But are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, um, but I don't know what that means. And um, 
just over a period of like the next week, week and a half, it happened very quickly. Um, he connected me with someone online who had a program that took you from counselor to coach, right? So it was a specifically for therapists who were wanting to move into the online space and be coaches. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> so it didn't, I don't know, it, at the time it didn't seem like a big deal, but it has become much more than that since, for sure. So contrast the two. You know, some people look at counselor, therapist, and coach, and, you know, mentor, and different things like that, and they just kind of lump them all together. It's real interesting. I recently had to go through some of those definitions because of the novel that I wrote that the working title was Counselor, and Mm -hmm. that was primarily because of the spiritual term, Wonderful Counselor. But then when it kind of came time to finish it up, I named it Coach. And that was kind of, there's like a dialogue within the the novel that's almost like we're having right here. What's the difference between the terms and things like that? But Mm -hmm. give give your interpretation of differences and one does well this way, one's better this way. Here's where the two come together, just so we kind of understand your thinking on it. Yeah, so just... In my experience, I would say counseling is uh, much more reflective. You look back at the past a lot more. What has happened? What got us here? You know, um, were there significant events in your life? It, it's very past focused. Mm-hmm. And not to say that those things don't need to be addressed, right? But, um, yeah, with coaching, I would say it's much more present and future. And, um, and I believe that's probably why you don't, um, see as many people going to coaches because it doesn't feel like there's an immediate, I have a problem and I need to fix it kind of thing. Whereas with counseling, it, it it seems to be more of that, like, like where I was, like, I'm miserable and something has to change. <laughs> right. So I, I would say those are some differences. Um, also within coaching, I don't find, you know, anything's regulated. Really, you can, any anybody can, can come be a coach and pick whatever topic and title you want to have and, you know, and that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of scary for me to think about um, if people aren't doing their research on who they're hiring and those sorts of things. But you know that with with counseling, you know that there's a basis, at least within Georgia, you have to have, you know, a certain degree and a certain number of hours under supervision and then a certain number, you know, more hours doing other things, and so it's a it's more of a process. Um, it's it's similar to becoming a doctor. It takes a lot of time, a lot of investment, and so um, I, I love that I have the comparison of the two, and I love that I can do both, really. And I think it helps with my clients so much more as well because inevitably there's something that comes up that is related to your past that's now impacting your present. And I find that a lot of coaches don't know what to do with that. So I, um, and that's not to not putting down coaching at all. Like I love doing it, 
Um, but that's just some of the, the differences that I see. Yeah, I had a funny thought come to me that you brought up because I call, I call myself a coach. And um, I I don't mind, especially now, I think as I'm maturing, I don't mind kind of digging into some things from the past to see why we do what we do. But I, I vividly recall some people are going to say, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to hire this guy to coach me. But I, I, years ago, I remember telling somebody, listen, we don't have time to deal with that. Just get over it and let's move on. If you want to achieve and accomplish, that was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was where I was yeah. at the time. And you know what? It 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 kind of works. There are times that that makes sense, I think, too. So do you still do both? You still yeah. kind of in both arenas, mm-hmm. have your feet in both sides of it? And yeah. uh, what what kind of percentage of your time would you say would be in the coaching and what in the therapy? Or do they just kind of merge together at times? It really just kind of merges. Um, I think for the most part, though, I would say I do more coaching. Um, because, like you say, there are times when it's – there can be something that comes up that you can say – we don't need to address that here <laughs> and go, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say I probably coach more now than than counseling, like deeper therapy work. But they, they kind of merge, you know, when you're working one-on-one with somebody. Yeah. Um, when I do group group settings, I definitely keep it higher level and we, you know, it's more coaching. But right. one-on-one, sometimes it gets into – we get into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know how that works. So, well, um, so you bring up a lot. I mean, you've got you when you go look at your stuff, you make no um, veiled comments about the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. about being in God's rest, about obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, even behind you now, for those people to see, you say heaven to earth. That's like uh, one of your one of your terms there, equipping leaders to multiply life, legacy, impact, freedom and energy. So mm-hmm. so you're working with leaders and you're you're not shying away from what I would call kingdom principles. So I think what I'd love to do now is let's talk about some of those kingdom principles. And here's where I want to start with this. I think sometimes we get in what I'll call Christian circles and we start throwing out terms that mm-hmm. if someone's listening in, they go, those people are speaking an entirely different language. I just had it this yes. morning. Someone made a comment when I said something about the realm of the kingdom of God. And they said the comment was, I don't even know what you're talking about. That mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? It's not even – and I'm going, hmm, well, that's kind of the story of the Bible, but that's something totally different. So so talk to me about some of the terms and whichever one you want to because I'd like to dig into – uh, you know, kingdom of God, that term rest that most people may not know what we're talking about there. So uh, just go ahead. What do you want to share there? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I I don't shy away from those things. And I do have people tell me, you know, if you want to appeal to more people, you need to kind of change the languaging a little bit. And I said, but I'm I want to attract a specific type of person. So I'm not going to shy away from that because I, I, they do need to be at a certain point and have a certain amount of knowledge before we go forward working together. And so I do use those terms. Um, I used to change it and try to make it more mainstream. I wouldn't say rest. 
you know, I would say um, things like, you know, get out of the chaos, work without burnout, which I do still say work without burnout sometimes, but rest is just, I just again, in prayer, talking to the Lord and asking him, what do I do with this language? Because people don't understand what it means. And then I'm spending the whole time explaining this is what it is. And, and he said, but that's my message, mm-hmm. right? You, you need to use that term because people need to be familiar with it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I do continue using like rest, working from, from God's rest. And so um, I, I say that rest is, it's not a lack of activity. It's not vacation. It's not, we're going to have a spa day. It's not just physical rest. The terms that in, in terms of how we think of rest today, most people think of it in terms of just physical, I'm going to go, you know, take a nap or whatever. <laughs> and your body does need that type of rest. But you also need rest in your soul and you need rest in your spirit. And that's where we we started with that at the beginning, talking about that alignment of spirit, soul, and body. And each one of those needs rest, and it looks different for each one. And so you can work from a place of rest, still doing activity, but not being in strife. Not reaching for things and, yeah, striving for things, trying to earn things, work for things. And the way um, that the Lord really showed it to me, going back to what you were saying about religion, and he, he told me, religion tells people to work for me, but I want people to work with me. And it it really became just, you know, it was like my eyes just opened to this whole world of relationship and partnership and um, letting, you know, rest is really just letting go of those rules, letting go of the check boxes. Not to say that you're not organized, right? I have people say that all the time. Like, I can't leave my list. I need my list, you know, of things that I do during the day or whatever and Yes, keep your list. That's fine. You know, your to-do list or whatever. But but you can get those things done from a place of not being overwhelmed, not being stressed out about it, not looking at the list and going, this is never going to end, <laughs> right? The never-ending list. Um, so that's how how I would describe rest. It's It's really just that place of abiding. You know, where Jesus talks about in John 15, the vine and the branch and learning how to be the branch and knowing that the vine is producing the fruit. The vine is producing the results. And yes, you have a role in that, but you're not responsible for what comes out of that. Hmm. So, all right, so much here because I've I've kind of gone through similar things trying to describe because I will use the word rest at times, and I think it messes with people because our culture has taken that word and messed with it. Mm-hmm. I've started trying to use the word peace, mm. 
but I think the culture has messed that word up also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll try to, you know, in fact, yeah. some of the themes that I talk about a good bit is love, faith, and peace, and peace meaning mm-hmm. rest, Sabbath, you know, not hustling, all all those mm-hmm. all those type things. I guess one thing that popped in my mind when you were talking is uh, talking about like the to-do list. Let's talk practical for just a second. It is my belief that a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this, we make an idol out of our effort and our to-do list. And we're not to make any idols, but have you ever run across anybody that uh, are making their work, their efforts, their energy, their to-do list an idol? I would say that's probably 99% of the people I work with. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so yes. it's an epidemic. It's a disease. It, it's, it, it, I mean, it really, in the business world, it's difficult to find a place where you're, where you're not judged on performance. So how does it not become the focus? Right? I mean, we even start that in schools. You get grades, right? That's your performance. That's not your, um, that's not, hey, you know, you, you did, you did the best you could. I'm going to just pass you, right? We have grades, ABC, whatever. Um, so it, it starts very early in our society. We're indoctrinated into perform, 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 right? So yeah, I would, I would say it's an epidemic for sure. The the striving and the hustling and um, not understanding how to turn that off. Right, that's the biggest piece of it I see in the leaders that I work with is the stress and overwhelm comes because they don't know how to turn it off. Mm. You know, they don't know how to. And this was me too. That's I mean, that's totally my story. So much anxiety, I I couldn't sleep because my brain would not turn off, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. So I, I I had a question. I'm going to try to remember it, but it, you just triggered something. Okay. Uh, I I sometimes wonder, and this is really generalizing, so we have to be careful with this. But to me, it seems as if the way our culture has been built up that that it's it's sometimes more challenging for women than it is for men do do you i'm guessing that a lot of women are attracted to what you do um and i'm sure you work with men also you probably don't uh, discriminate but do, do you do you work with a high percentage of women yeah majority is women Yes. Right. All right. So is that is that an observation that would be accurate that women may have a tougher time with this because of also the other <laughs> assignments that they have, not just work and business and things, but then also you know family and things like that. Talk a little bit about that, just yeah. the, the gender aspect of this. Yeah, there's definitely a different expectation put on women. Um, there's very much the idea that you do everything at home and if you want to work outside the home, well, then that's, that's like an add on. That's an extra, right? Right. (laughs) Um, 
whereas with men, it's just, it's expected. They work, and that's what they do. You know, yeah. the end. And then if, and then if we do. could help, and then if we could do the dishes every once in a while, it's like we're awesome. You know, we get awards for yes. doing the dishes every once in a while. Yes, yes. If you can help out at home, then then you're the best guy ever, right? Um, which I, you know, I have strong opinions about. <laughs> um, Go ahead. We're open to strong opinions. You can share. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, you have to be really intentional having a conversation with your spouse about expectations in the home. Because there is that automatic expectation on women that you take care of the things at home. And if it's not done, then you're somehow not keeping up your end or, you know, um, you're, you're letting your husband down in some way or your family or whatever that is. And it's, you know, it, is there a time in our society where that shifts? I don't know. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but definitely having the conversations about it, I think, helps to give give um, for people having those conversations. I'll give you an interesting kind of sidebar that relates to that. And then yeah. and then we're going to we're going to really compare where it came from. I think where the root is from. I think it's I think the root is is in what we're going to discuss, which is the kingdom of God and the, the what I'll call the Babylonian system or the world system. But my wife and I just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And thank you. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we're excited about that. Still still kind of uh, we still dig each other, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but 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 I observe this all the time. There are things and we're both high achiever types, you know, and all of that. But there are things that it is very obvious that it bothers her. This is kind of a weird example right now. Our son's grown. He lives in his RV, too, and he I'm, I'm pointing for those. He's like a few rows over, and we saw him briefly <laughs> last night when we came in. But I can guarantee you that my wife will be thinking about making sure that she provides some food for not just me. I mean, she thinks about me, too, but for also her son. Now, mm -hmm. Let me just tell you, Tim, that is not a consideration of mine at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even like going, you know, he's 28. He could eat. He he will not fall over. Start, but I could almost yeah. guarantee you yeah. that she's got and also a good southern woman. So, you know, it's like she's got a. And so yeah. some of that is just baked in. Some of it could be a nurturing that God gave us that, you know, she wants to make sure that. All of that, but but I can tell it bothers her if she goes a few days without having. Mm. It won't be like a big meal. We live in RVs, but something like that. So I agree with you, and and I also want to say this as a matter of disclaimer: I do all our laundry, I do all the washing of dishes, and I do a lot of the cleaning. So I don't yeah. know if I'm just saying that to make myself feel better <laughs> or to whatever. However, but. But I do agree that talking about it. So so let's kind of veer into how it's come to be that we have these built-in expectations that mess with us and, and, and all of that. We have, in my opinion, there's two realms or two systems that we function in. There's the kingdom of God 
And then there's not the kingdom of God, which I like to call it Babylon or the world system or whatever. There's probably a lot of other things we can call it. And and I get the feeling that you sort of are in that camp. If not, tell me what your thoughts are. Is that is that how we operate? Yes. Yeah. I um. Hmm. I distinguish between kingdom of God and system of darkness. Light how, and dark. Okay, yeah, I can do that. It's how too. I put it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't – well, I know other people that say kingdom, um, kingdom of darkness, and I say no to that. I call it a system because there's no king over there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the kingdom of God. Um, where do – are you asking like where do we fit into those roles, or well, what do you want to know more about on I that? Think I, I think I want us to maybe define it early on here, mm-hmm. so that someone understands, and then discuss the challenges related to rest and all as it relates to those two, the kingdom and the system. Which I love that. So, yeah. um, but maybe we need to explain it to people or at least give what you think the definition is because a lot of people get confused church people get oh even yes yes church people get confused because there's definitely a difference between christianity and kingdom i would even make that separation um and i think the word kingdom gets used a lot and people really don't understand uh, maybe fully what it is that they're saying and just kind of hop on that bandwagon as that's the new term to use um, instead of saying Christian. But for me, kingdom of God is is why Jesus came. He, you know, he talked all about the kingdom of God. He was constantly making reference to the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is like, you know, and he was explaining for us what that is and i think we we really go after salvation and then it stops there like i was telling you in my own story i i got saved at a young age and then what and then what you know um and so it wasn't until recently that i really discovered the kingdom um and what that means what that looks like and that salvation is just the doorway. Salvation is just the beginning. And then we have the entire, um, you know, better covenant that we're in that we receive our inheritance from kingdom of God. So this is a really big discussion. How would I define it? I would say... The kingdom that God has set up. <laughs> yeah. And it's that simple, but it's that complex. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, it's funny <laughs> how you brought up uh, kind of like the church world. I, I'll use church world. Sometimes it'll sound a little negative the way I say it, but we were going to a church one. In fact, it was up near Athens, Georgia, not far from you. And, um, and, and the the way the people described it is it were a kingdom church. And me being a, you know, Georgia Tech engineer and all, I was just asking, so what does that mean? They go, Well, we're mm-hmm. we're a kingdom. We're we're kingdom. 
And I'll say, okay, so uh, you you got any more definition? I said, well, you know, there's people that are not kingdom. We're kingdom. <laughs> and that, was, <laughs> that was it. That was it. that was the yeah. description of it. But but I I do I I do like what you said. That that is. I mean, we my wife and I just did a read through the Old Testament, and we're now starting the New Testament, and Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven. He brought the kingdom of God. He connected us with our creator so that then we could live in this kingdom. And within that kingdom, we can learn what our assignment is. I love that you talk about the assignments that people have. That's where that comes from. What is our assignment in his kingdom or realm or anything like that? Um, I think a lot of the conflict that we all have relates to people that know their residents. That was air quotes for the people that are listening. I did air quotes. Their residents or they've, they're ambassadors of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. but they don't quite know how to function and operate within this system of darkness. So you got any tips ideas yeah <laughs> uh, on that because i think i think that's the struggle that's the tension mm-hmm. that most of us when we keep going down this path kind of run into i was I, I could pull my prayer journal from two days ago i was just having that conversation yeah with god yeah yeah, yeah. practically what does that look like i mean that that's exactly what i teach <laughs> is um so start at the beginning um the very first thing I tell people is you have to have the revelation that God wants relationship with you. Like that's bottom foundation and everything else builds up from there is that it, it's got to be relationship. And I walk them through this, um, this practice of, receiving God's love and that's really what I find to be the biggest obstacle for people out of everything that we do together just receiving just receiving because we're so taught that you have to earn you have to perform you have to even um, in, in the exercise that I give them to do, I say, now imagine that Jesus is sitting across from you and just look at him. Just if you can, just look in his eyes and just let him love you, but don't love him back. And that is the most difficult thing by far out of everything we do together. I have so many people at that point say, I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. And we haven't learned to receive. Like, I think about even even in my relationship with my parents, growing up, anytime something was done for me or given to me, I felt the need to repay or give back or do something in return, right? It's just, it seems like this basic reciprocal thing in, in us, <laughs> to give back and yet God doesn't ask for anything back. We're not obligated at all to love him. And and that's where I find like I said the the hardest part for people is just that initial just letting him love you 
in building that that trust relationship with him. So is it so fascinating because this morning, this morning in my journal, I was writing something about how kind of our identity really comes down to two things. Are we um, orphaned or are we adopted and mm. and adopted into that kingdom that we've been talking about? And I feel as if the Lord, when I was just meditating on it, told me that very few of us really understand what that adoption really mm-hmm. means that our our meditation our like you're saying our, our our journey is understanding what it means to be loved by him why mm-hmm. and and I know you've had conversations I know you can't share anything that's personal with folks but why do we struggle with that so much mm. Before being born again, you have that orphan heart. And you don't believe that you're loved or lovable. You feel abandoned and alone. You don't feel part of the family. And so when you become born again... When you, you know, make that decision, our brain takes time to catch up <laughs> with that reality, with that new reality. You know, it's it's not, I, I wish it were as simple as as soon as you did it, you know, it's like snap your fingers and everything's renewed and you get it and you're in and, you know, and you are instantly in and you are now in that family and you are born again but it takes time for your soul to to come into that reality of what just happened and that's part of that again going back to that alignment of spirit soul and body your soul being your mind will and emotions has this record attached to it of everything that's ever happened in your life And your family, right? Going back generations, our DNA, it's your family DNA. You have that record attached to your soul. And so through the process of aligning with the spirit, you are choosing, I'm going to believe the record that the record of my spirit, the record that I've never been separated from God that I now have his DNA, that I've been engrafted into this family, and that is my reality. And so you have that constant tension and dissonance between what your soul is telling you and what your spirit is telling you. And for those who choose spirit, those are the people that really come into a reality like a daily living of, I am a child of God. I am his favorite daughter, and he loves me, and he chose me, and he has called me to this business, and this is the thing that we're doing together. Mm. You, you use the word trust 
earlier. I don't remember the exact context, but one of the things that I've always wondered about myself and others, the reason we slip back into the not being at rest, not receiving, is because, and this is, sounds harsh, but I think you'll take it for what it's worth, we really don't mm-hmm. trust God. We, we really yeah. don't yeah. have a full level of trust. And so because we don't trust him, we'll revert to the, if it is to be, it's up to me, the self, the mindset that I've got to make it happen. I've got to make sure there's money in the bank account. I've got to make sure that all my family's taken care of. And I mean, we could keep going down this path, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that that trust is foundational with what you're talking about. And I don't know how people can gain that. Mm. Yeah. Let me, how do people gain that? Take that. Can I discuss? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's one of the things again, that we, we do initially is um, because someone told me this a few years ago and it just rocked my world. Um, and and she said, you will only trust God to the degree that you believe he loves you. Mm-hmm. So that that trust and love are like, you know, they're intertwined. They're absolutely, you're not going to have, um, you're not going to trust him if you don't believe he actually loves you. And that's why we start with the foundation of love, because love is not something that God does. It's who he is. It's who he is. That's his very nature. He can't separate himself from it. It's not an act for him, right? It's not an action. It's 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 who he is. And so if you don't believe that's who he is and that he um that he does love you, then you're not gonna trust that he has your best interest at heart when he tells you to go do something you'll you will question are are you sure you want me to go do that right like (laughs) seems a little scary you know you're going to question what he's um, asking of you if you don't trust him and you won't have that trust if you don't believe he really loves you yeah what's interesting is you brought up earlier the, the the two the kingdom of god and then the system of darkness, so I'm going to play on that system of darkness. It seems as yeah. if that system of darkness is doing everything it can to prevent mm-hmm. that from occurring. And so, with that, to me, I see systems. Let's just even talk about a lot of our family structure and systems yeah. hinder what you just said. And then, this is a bit of a loaded question. I I have concerns that what we would call our church system doesn't really help the process either. I'm open to you saying, oh, no, Tim, church does everything. (laughs) We would have more people living different Mm -hmm. lives if that weren't the case. I I actually Mm -hmm. believe a lot of church religion. I went to a couple years of Bible school that it causes more challenges and issues related to that and feeds more that works mindset. But I'm going to let you respond to that now that I've shown my cards. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I won't say who, but I have somebody in my family. I actually have a couple of people in my family 
who um, have been to Bible college and said that is not the place you go to find God. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, I laugh, but I'm not laughing. That's it's not funny. <laughs> it's but. so, it's, yeah, it's so sad because I had considered at one point going to Bible college because I was like, I want to get closer with God. I want to learn more about the Bible, you know, X, Y, Z. How do I do that? And yeah, they were very much like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And it's so sad um, that we are, quote, producing um, preachers who are leading churches who don't really even have relationship with God. And so it's very easy to be in that works mindset, in that religious mindset, um, and hopefully it's a mindset and not a religious spirit on you. You know, that's a whole different um, whole different thing, but yeah, it's, I, I totally agree with what you said. We've, we've got to, well, I feel like, do I want to say this? Yeah. Go ahead. Say, say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I feel like the, the pandemic put us in a place where coming out of that church looks very different. And it needs to, you know, like you were saying earlier about the Lord uses everything. He wastes nothing. And I think one of the ways he's using what we just went through as an entire world just went through together is that um, it's it's waking the church up again to to reformation, to being different. It's got to be different going forward. We can't go back into business as usual. <laughs> Yeah, and I think we saw how weak a lot of those structures were. And the way I say it, this sounds harsh, yeah. but we'll go back to the kingdom of God, is that many people have a Bible. They've got the name Jesus. They've got a cross on their sign out front. They might even have 501c3, but they're building their kingdom. They're not building God's kingdom. And yeah. because they're building their kingdom, we've seen the results of it. And mm -hmm. when we see ministries fall and when we see all these abusive leaders, I, you could tell I'm getting a little bit passionate about this, is is the reason we see what we're seeing. That's why I love what you're doing, because uh, one of the words I heard in Bible school was that we didn't come there to uh, share our opinions or converse or anything like that. We were there to be discipled. Now, mm. <laughs> uh, that's actually not why I went there. But uh, yeah. but here's what I love about what you're doing, Susan. To me, what you're describing is discipleship. Yeah. You are taking people and you're walking them along a path of identifying what their assignment is in the kingdom of God and then helping yeah. them fulfill that. To me, that's discipleship. Is that correct? Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I think I, I, I love all that you're doing. I love, and I mean, I wish we could converse about so many other things. I'm sitting here watching my time. I went, oh my gosh, we're. Um, You'll just have to have me back, and we'll continue. Yeah. What else? What else can you tell? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things. I mean, I, I read some things you wrote and things like that. I mean, we. We do have this hustle, hustle mindset. We talked about to do list, but what are some other things? 
and, and you gave the foundation, which I totally agree with, that if we don't understand who God is and who he is to us and receive that, then we're probably going to have challenges. But any other tips, thoughts, ideas that we could give people as we finish up here just to kind of help them move along the path? Because here's what a lot of people will do. They go, okay, maybe I could just get this if I just go to church. And kind of what we just said is, is you ain't going to get it there. I hate to say that. In fact, they're going to want you working in the parking lot or serving on the (laughs) hospitality committee, and you're going to work your fingers to the bone there harder than you are in any job. I'm sorry, Mm. that sounded a little bit cynical. But... (laughs) What, what are but some maybe things? a little true. <laughs> a little bit true. Oh my gosh. Um, what are what are some other things you could give us, and then we'll we'll um, and I'm, we'll make sure people mm. can connect with you because there's probably going to be some people that love to interact and connect with you. But what are some other things as people are moving along this journey, trying to discover these things? What what are some things that they can do? Yeah, you really have to dig into the Bible yourself. You know, like like you said, it, these are not things that you're going to get at church, unfortunately. Um, so it's going to have to be an intentional thing that you do. And a resource I would give for that that has been so helpful for me is blueletterbible.org. And um, it gives you that, um, it shows you the original language. And so that has helped me tremendously when I'm reading through something and going, okay, that doesn't make sense, (laughs) you know. Um, And I'll ask Holy Spirit, will you show me what does this mean? And I'll go on this website and look at the original language, and it gives you the context that it's put in. I think a lot of people don't read the Bible for themselves because there's such a disconnect between the culture that it was written in and the culture we have today. And so it's really hard for people to digest. But I would just encourage you, even if you take one verse and stick with it for a week, two weeks, you know, and just dive into that one thing and just really, really, you know, pull on Holy Spirit for that, for revelation, for insight, for um, that added, um, you know, interaction. Because it's hard to find people that will be able to give you the meaning of things, you know. And so I think it it goes back to that, um, not just gaining knowledge, but cultivating that relationship with God. And so that's a way that you... You're getting knowledge from the Bible, but you're also cultivating that relationship with God when you're continually asking Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. And uh, I would say in that process as well, believing that you're going to receive something from it, right? He says those who, who want wisdom, just ask, ask, and I give it, you know, without reserve. And so expecting to hear back from him. When you ask for something, when you ask for that insight, have the expectation that he's going to show me what I need to know from this. Yeah, Susan, that's good. And the thing, one thing that I heard you say that you may not have specifically said it is that you really 
do have to do what you just mentioned, kind of quietly, alone. Um, I'm sitting here staring into a laptop camera. I've got my phone to the left of me. I've got a watch on my hand. There's a TV behind me that's really just a screensaver. And you know what? It's hard to do what you just said if all of that is going on and there's noise around me all the time. And to me, I think one of the biggest epidemics, or we'll call it a weapon of that uh, that system, system. of darkness, is noise. <laughs> Because yeah. if you get quiet, I, I'm, and I, I'm confident you believe this too, if someone's listening in and they get quiet and just say, Lord, I believe he'll talk to him. I believe he'll interact with them. Mm-hmm. I, but I just, yeah. I think so many people don't be still and be quiet because it's easier to scroll yeah. or, or, you know, stream or do things like that. And. And, you know, I, I, another thing I heard you say, and I just want to make sure this is clear with folks, we are not in any way saying don't go to church or anything like that. But relationship yeah. is the most important. You cannot <laughs> delegate the relationship with God to a building mm-hmm. or someone else or a pastor. And that's what, to me, I think becomes very dangerous. And and so I, I would encourage people to to, to do that. Susan, there's so many things that we could discuss, but I think what I'd love to do, especially because I know you minister and disciple a lot of people that are business people, a lot of people, probably a lot of women, I think you mentioned is probably a lot of people. I'm going to give you here last couple of minutes before I do a wrap up. I'm just going to give you a few minutes to say whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to speak encouragement to someone who might be listening going, I don't know what to do next. I'm not sure what to anything you would like to say. I'm just going to give you that. And then I've got a couple questions we'll wrap up with and uh, we'll move along. Yeah. Um, can I just pray? Absolutely. Is that, is that cool? Okay. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much for this time that you've given us to be together. I thank you for this opportunity to speak into your children I just ask that if there's anybody listening who doesn't quite understand, that you would just strengthen their faith to continue searching, to keep digging into this, that they would intentionally seek you out, seek your wisdom, that they would not rely on things that other people are saying, but that you would open their eyes to a new revelation of who you are. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. I thank you for those who will find freedom in this, who will get breakthrough. From this, Father, I just see chains breaking off, that you are liberating the captives. I see the, the chains on their minds being broken, that you are giving them a new mindset, that you are renewing their mind. You're renewing their faith, renewing their hope. Hmm. That they are not without answers. 
whatever it is that they're seeking. I feel like there's there's someone who's specifically been asking you a question and they don't hear you answering. Lord, I just just pray that you would speak a little bit louder and quiet the noise. Quiet the distractions. That their ears would be open to hear. That they would see you are answering them. Hmm. Pray that you would just infuse them with courage to step boldly into what you're asking them to do. That you would expand their faith to take that next step, even when they don't fully understand or see the bigger picture. Pray for those striving, reaching out for things that maybe aren't meant for them right now. That you would make it clear what their next step is. That you would make it clear you have the peace they're looking for. That they can come to you and rest. They can abide in the shadow of your wing that you are provider and you are protector. And they don't have to keep searching for anything else. Everything that they're looking for is in you. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you and praise you. Praise you for all that you're doing, for the way that you use everything in our life to pursue us. Your goodness pursues us continually. May we be as faithful as you have been. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. Amen. That was sweet. And I truly believe that someone, many listening in are going, that is exactly the prayer that I needed. Thank you for that, Susan. Um, How can people connect with you? Where do you want people to go? We'll include things down in the notes so that they can find you. Yeah, I'm mainly on Facebook. You can just. Um, just a regular personal page, not a business page or anything like that. I make it real easy <laughs> um, to find me. and um, Or you can go to my website if you want to get more information about working uh, with me. And also on my website, you'll see connections to my YouTube channel and my podcast and other things that I've got going on. So that's really the central hub would be heaventoearthllc.com. Okay, very good. We'll make sure people know how to reach you there and can connect with you. We'll include that down in the notes. We are seek, go, create. You could probably guess where some of those words came from, but uh, I'm going to give you one of those words to choose that resonates with you or means more to you right now than the other two and why, and then I'll do a quick wrap-up and we'll be done. Mm, Seek, absolutely. Um, I immediately... When you said that, I immediately thought of seek first the kingdom of God (laughs) and his righteousness and all these things will be added. 
to you. And that's really um, the place that I'm at is just continually seeking him first and trusting that he he gets all the rest. Yeah, that's excellent. And you know where I got that that, that wording from. So that's a scripture that means uh, a great deal to me. So Susan, thank you so much. I am confident that if you've been listening in and you're still with us at the end of this uh, episode, either wherever you're watching it, that it has been a blessing to you. And so I like to ask this. I asked at the beginning, but if this has meant something to you, if you've listened to the end, then please share it with someone. If you're listening on a podcast, you could take a screenshot and text it to a friend or family member or someone. Or if you're on one of the social channels or YouTube, it's pretty easy to share from there. Share it with someone. This is a message that the world needs to hear. Everyone needs to hear. And it's unfortunate that even in a lot of circles that um, should be sharing it, they're not. But uh, but we're talking about it here. So. I'm glad that you listened in. Thank you for joining us. We do have new episodes every Monday. Until then, continue being all that you were created to be. Mm-hmm.